to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journey of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences Food Innovation Center. <laughs> I'm going to get you a t-shirt that has all your titles on it, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should. I might need two t-shirts. Just you might. Kidding. It'll be front and back. <laughs> and inside. <laughs> well, um, we've had a few weeks where you and I have been in different places. So it's nice to actually be here with you together today. Yeah, it is. I was looking forward to seeing you and finding out what you've been up to. It looks like you went out for a nice Italian dinner and then some fancy desserts. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, um, we've been venturing out a bit with, uh, with my family. So we've been doing Sunday nights out and we've gone a couple places. We went to, um, Bochi's on seventh, which is like a little Ooh. tiny Italian spot that, um, I used when we worked over our kitchen used to be over there. So we would go there quite a bit. So we, um, went back there and it was really great. And nice. then we also went to, um, Dame, which is, um, kind of fancier Italian. That is fancy. That, um, oh yeah. I saw you with, uh, the fellow. Yeah. With Patrick. Yeah. Patrick. I would recommend if people want to go have a nice date night out, it's really, really beautiful, wonderful food. So um, we're just trying to get back out there and support our restaurant community. And then the dessert yeah. place we went to was, is called Champagne and Poetry. It's wow. new. It's um, people that have a beautiful bakery in Beaverton and they opened one over on Hawthorne here. So they do these oh. nice, nice little desserts. So we took our daughter and it was great. I bet she loved it. Yeah, it was definitely a hit. And um, I saw you were camping. That's right. We took the old camper on. It's it's a trailer, camper trailer on its maiden voyage over the weekend. Went and stayed at Wallawa National Park, State Park, State the, Park. Yeah, I've been there before. It's been a long time, though. Did, it, did you go on the tram? Yeah, we hadn't been there in like 21 years. And we all had various different memories from when we were there many years ago. And yeah. none of them were right. It's so <laughs> weird. I like, like how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we got kayaks and we went out on the lake kayaking and we're trying to fish. And I was like, this is, I can't fish in a kayak. I need to practice. So the next day I said to the team, I'm like, hey, if I rented a uh pontoon boat would you all go fishing with me and they're like yeah so we rented the <laughs> pontoon boat my husband michael he drove it up the side of the lake and we parked right off the edge where you could see the lake sort of descending and that lake is super deep i think the deepest point is 299 feet whoa um and there's lots of fish and we could see the rainbow trout they're sort of you know swimming around trying to get the power bait and I figured out how to put the power bait on the hook so that they couldn't just nibble it off. And we caught like six really nice fish and a couple got away. And then I did a camp cookout. We had surf and turf with some big fat steaks and some freshly caught um, rainbow trout. It was that's, crazy. That's so cool. What a fun family trip. Yeah, it was a great ending. And we didn't really want the weekend to end actually. But yeah, I do. I kind of thought that I was going to get a message from you saying I decided to stay longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, those, those park rangers, they sort of shoo shoo out yeah, when it's they're time like, to go. Time to get moving. You know, mm -hmm. when I go fishing with my daughter, we have a little um, like kid fishing pole and we don't put a hook on it because, <laughs> because I don't know what I would do if we actually caught something. <laughs> oh, come on. 
I need to I go fishing. I, I guess don't know how was, to gut it or anything. There was uh, like, and during my, um, you know, the party you have for the bride before you get married, one of the questions on there was, what would Sarah rather be doing? And my answer actually was fishing. Whoa, you're like so, a pro. I love fishing. <laughs> I forgot about it. Now I love it again. So I can't well, wait to go. You'll have to take me because we just sort of fake it. You know, like we're we're out there with our poles. I like to take Adeline out, you know, to we go to Blue Lake Park a lot because they stock that lake and it's just like nice to be outside. And, you know, we have fishing poles, but no hooks, no bait, no nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the, you know, we have like a little uh, bobber on the end. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Oh no. <laughs> well, the truth is when you catch them, you got to clean them. Yeah. And I, I was the one, how. Michael got a brand new, um, Bubba, you know, filet knife and I yeah. actually cut open my knuckle. Oh no. Just a little, just, it was like, I couldn't even feel it. The knife was so sharp. I was like, Ooh, yeah, that was so now we're going to get some chainmail gloves and uh, some other things so I can probably <laughs> yeah. play the fish and not myself. Protect yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. And it was so fun. Now you and I are off to New York this week. That's right. And we are headed to the Javits Center. Yes. For the fancy, fancy food, food show. show. I'm also going to be at the Good Food Mercantile. Yeah. So we are going to have a busy weekend and mm-hmm. we promise to update all of our listeners on what we find there. We had a good time when we went to Vegas. So I think we're going to have a good time. Yeah. And too. we got in the news like our there's like a story about Incubator Village and it made national news and all our people in the booth are listed. Oh, cool. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That came through OSU today on the news at OSU. They're like, hey, kudos to Sarah. Like, oh, yay. Who, do you have a list of who you're bringing with you this time? Yeah, I have it. It's Patrick Prince from Waves Caribbean. Sukhdeev and Rippy of Kalsa Salsa, who actually just won a good food award, right? Yeah. Lisa Tran, um, who won the sponsorship for from Life Doms at yeah. Cantan. And that's what I'm going as like a coach for her. So I won't have a booth there, but I'm going to just like make sure everything goes good with Lisa. Good. And then Corey Sue Morris of Retreat Foods. She has some nice nut butters <clears throat> that have adaptogens in it. We have Saba of Saba Sauce, and she has Ethiopian spice blends and sauces. Haliang of um, Sabejo is going to be there with her yummy sauces. And a new product that we've been working on with a gentleman from California, Steve Curtis, he has a company called Elevate Your Bacon. He's going to have Gougeres. Ooh. Gougeres. Have you ever had one? It's yeah. Like so good. And then Kadzi Wright and her family, they're, um, they have a farm in Ghana and they grow tiger nuts. And we've, our team here has done a lot of product development with her tiger nuts. And they're actually making some tiger nut crackers this week that she'll be showing. Um, at the show and Becca Christensen, a Portland salt company will be there with all her, her yummy salts. And then of course, uh, Tanya Farman of queen of hearts will be there. This is going to be her second show. And um, she's pretty excited too. I think some people are going to the, are you going to be at the good food awards, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a table? I have a table. I'll be um, showcasing there on Saturday from 12 to five. Um, yeah, and then I'll be at the show, the fancy food show, and we just signed up my hot sauce buddies from the Heatnist because they are going to buy for new hot sauces. They're buyers, yeah. So I'm going to walk Good around job. with them and, and try some stuff and hang out. So it's I'm super excited. It'll be really fun. That is so cool. That's cool. We really do want to get more buyers to come to that show, and it makes it so easy when it's right in their back back door back yeah door they were excited about it and they didn't really know how to get in there or have be part of it so now oh I'm man make sure they go to go talk to the people at the sfa and tell them they want to be like part of it yeah totally i will get them in there well it's not uh just sarah and i here today chatting away we have guests and we're super excited about it i'm sure we'll talk more about the good food awards as we um, go through the show so i would like to introduce our guest today maureen nika nah, nakaido let's say it nakaido i got it she gives me a thumbs up 
<laughs> Maureen is the owner of Moku Chocolate, carefully crafted bean to bar chocolate in Philomath, Oregon. Welcome, Maureen. Yay. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so, we're so glad that you're here today. We uh, want to make sure that people can find you and follow along. So what's the best way for them to find you in the world? Well, my website is mokuchocolate.com. And on Instagram, I'm mokuchocolate. Perfect. And um, you and Sarah, I think we were talking about the Good Food Awards. So let's just move that direction for a minute. So did you guys meet at the Good Food Mercantile here in Portland? Was that the first time you had met? That's right. Of course, I had heard Sarah's name a lot because she's sort of famous around <laughs> OSU. <laughs> well, I feel like I know you, though, and I, I think I've tried your chocolates even before you had shared them with me, because did you have them in a shop here in Portland? Uh, well, um, yeah, there. No, I just started selling in February 2021. 20, uh, Okay, and so they are in the meadow up there, but actually, I, I think I know what it might be, Sarah. What is Were it? You part of the, I don't know if it was a farm to fork, I think it was last summer or last fall that OSU did with the foundation, and they had boxes. And my yes. chocolate with orange oh, zest was in the box. That's why I know, yeah, there you go. We did, we <laughs> there's did the a, connection. I was like, I know this chocolate from somewhere. Uh-huh. We had a um at home pop-up dinner where everybody's food was shipped out in a box and then you prepared your meal and went on a zoom call together and i did a pairing of chocolate and hazelnuts and cheese very cool i knew that you guys hadn't met each other in person until um the food show because i was tagged in in something where you guys met so (laughs) super (laughs) cool uh so maureen you just said that you started in february of 2021 tell us how you decided to start your chocolate biz yeah well 2021 is when i actually started selling Mm -hmm. um chocolate and the idea um started really vaguely um in 2013 when i went to nicaragua and um we were wandering around uh, Granada and we ended up in a little chocolate museum and it had big pictures of, you know, cacao trees and there were beans that you could smell and you could touch. And it had this story, you know, about where cacao grows and um, who grows it. And um, it was really interesting. I think it was the first time I ever really thought about where chocolate came from I had no idea it grew on a tree and but a crazy looking tree it is um and so it was all super interesting to me and the deep cultural roots of it um were all really interesting to me um but the part that really got me was it was talking about the farmers you know the people that were growing this cacao and for the most part these were small holder farmers you know small family farmers and this is maybe a secondary crop for them And it just talked about how they get such a small share of the profits that they're, they're living at or below poverty and um, they're not really uh, benefiting as much as you would think maybe from chocolate. And uh, that really interest that saddened me and interested me. Um, I was in Nicaragua to visit a little girl that I'd been sponsoring since she was six. So by the time I got to meet her, she was 14 and we were exchanging letters. So, you know, I had gotten to know her. So I kind of cared about her life and the life of Nicaraguans. And so when I kind of heard about this, you know, and their piece of it, I just thought, oh, I wonder if there's something I could do in this process. Maybe that would be helpful. I had no idea what it would be. And Maybe that would bring me back to Nicaragua and, you know, maybe sharing chocolate with people. And I had no idea about the craft chocolate community that such a thing existed. Um, but I just had this notion I wanted to do something. And it just was in the back of my mind for many years. And um, but, you know, that's how it started. And it would pop up. The idea would bubble up every now and then. And um, in 2019. I finally started talking about it with my husband and just started researching it. And then I found the craft community and realized that, you know, regular people are making chocolate and that they cared about some of those same things that I did, um, you know, care, um, good environmental practices and, and um, equity for the 
the farmers. And um, so then I took an online class and just started making some chocolate at home. So that's that's how it started. That's have so you, cool. Have you heard of the Fine Chocolate Industry Association? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you a member of that? I don't think I am because it's kind of spendy. Oh, is it expensive? Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to try and connect you with my people. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say that, Sarah. Maureen, always say yes to that. <laughs> Did I, we had another chocolate lady on recently. Oh, okay. So we'll all connect you with everybody. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. That sounds great. Uh, well, so now we know where your inspiration to start your business came from, but let's um, get a little bit more info on you. So you live in Philomath, Oregon, and where is that exactly? So it is uh, about 80 miles south of Portland. So the closest town is Corvallis, which is where OSU is. So you might have heard of Corvallis if you're yeah. outside of Oregon, probably not. But uh, <laughs> it's a small town. Philomath is maybe 5,000 people, but it's super close to Corvallis. So it feels a little bit bigger, but, um, you know, Corvallis is small. Uh, but it's beautiful, um, pastoral, and just really lovely. And I think being here has kind of helped when I decided to launch the business has helped with my success. I think um, people are just really supportive and they're really interested in supporting businesses and they're interested in, in new things. And, you know, we have some uh, good restaurants. We have gathering together farm down here and their uh, little farm stand and their restaurant and the dizzy hen. And so there's, there's a mix of stuff, you know, there's like farms and then there's some, you know, food. And, uh, but I, I think the town has been really supportive. So it's been a good place to finally launch the idea. That's very cool. I only know one person that lives in Philomath and it's Camille. Maybe you know her. I know you guys have a small community there, but she has um, had a honey business for a while. Um, But she lives right across the street from Gathering Together Farms or right across the farm way. There's also the Northwest Chocolate Festival. I think it's in Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. Have you gone up to that, Maureen? No, but I met somebody from it when I was at the Portland Mercantile. Was it Brian Cisnero? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm Future thinking about it. Good. You should do it. Really? Don't think too much. Just go do it. <laughs> well, um, see, that's, I mean, that's like two days of selling chocolate. And it's just, you know, for like eight hours. And it's just me. Usually I drag my husband along. And um I don't know. I'll think about it. That is expensive. And, and but Brian was saying you make your money back. And there's also the chocolate festival in Ashland. That one mm-hmm. may be a good one to start if the one in Seattle is too big. Yeah. And maybe yeah. the minimum you'd want to do is enter your chocolates. So you could get some awards. Okay. In the evaluations, because then you can just like your good food sticker, you can get some from chocolate people as well. That would be exciting. Is that the Oregon one or the Northwest one as well? The the Oregon, there's an Oregon one in Ashland every year. Okay. Yeah, my, the first, well, my first year that my bars were included in um, some gift bags. Uh, that Market of Choice was sponsoring it, I think. And so they they asked if I wanted to have some bars and some gift bags, but I haven't attended it yet or been part of the contest. So that is good to know. Yeah. Writing well, myself a note. Sarah mentioned um, entering um, award for awards. So let's talk about the award you just won because you just won a good food award, right? Which is a big deal. Yeah. Tell <laughs> tell us about it. You might not know that, but it is. No, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's great. That actually was my second award. My first one was um, International Chocolate Awards. And um, that one was for my goat milk chocolate. Mm. And that felt really big to me at the time because um, I was just kind of starting out and I didn't even have my labels yet, but Uh-oh. I had <laughs> made this goat milk chocolate. And um, when I was researching my my labels, I saw people with these stickers, like the good food stickers and the international chocolate stickers. So I saw that award and it just so happened they were 
um, seeking entries and I submitted my goat milk. It's the only one I did. Um, but I just felt, and it's not really like me to do something like that, like to be confident, I guess, <laughs> that confident <laughs> when I was just starting, but I just thought it was really good. And um, so that one, um, I won that one. I think that was March, 2021. And that was so nice to win that because I was just starting and it just felt really confirming. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, so that was great. But the good foods one, I was really excited about because um, that is a big deal. You know, that was a real honor. And um, and that was great to be a part of that. So mm-hmm. that one, um, I won for my bar uh, with made with Ecuadorian cocoa and um, cow's milk, powdered cow's milk, and um, as opposed to my goat milk bar. And it's dark milk. And a lot of people will say, like, how can it be a dark milk bar? How can it be both of those? <laughs> but it's because the cacao content is high. It's 60%. So quite a bit higher than um, a lot of milk chocolate bars that you get. A lot of people think they don't like milk chocolate because it can be really sweet and kind of cloying. You know, there's just a little too much sugar in it, but at 60%, you get the creaminess from the milk, but the chocolate still shines through. It's not overpowered um, Mm. by that. And there's something, those Ecuador beans, I really love them. They're, They're a good blank canvas, but they're just really yummy and chocolatey and when I added the milk it brought out some almond flavors Mm. and so like that one I say it reminds me of uh, Baskin Robbins Jamocha Almond Fudge ice cream just creamy and one of my all-time favorites yeah mine too and it's just there's you know you probably know this (laughs) being um food makers and um but there's something like bigger than the sum of the parts that happens. It's like, there's, where does that almond come from? It's something that happens when you mix the milk with the chocolate and together there's this alchemy. It's, it's really amazing. It's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. It's like food magic. <laughs> yeah. It is yeah. food magic. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break and then I want to come back and talk a little bit more about um, chocolate and some definitions so we can help our listeners understand some things and where it's from. Yeah. We'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. All right, Maureen, I was on your website sleuthing and I saw that you have a set of bars that includes five are vegan and three are milk, but you have them from all kind of all over the place. I wonder if you can just walk through those products and tell us, like Sarah said, what about the chocolate? Yeah. So um, I make bean to bar, meaning that I start with the beans that are coming from different countries. And then I roast the beans myself and crack them and winnow them and grind them for a few days before they're molded. And it's single origin. And the reason for that, so meaning the beans come from one farm or one country, one area. And um, the reason for that is that just like with wine or coffee and um, where something, where the cacao is grown uh, really can affect the flavor. So there can be differences. So cacao from Ecuador tastes quite different from cacao from Madagascar um, or Peru. So it's really fun by just focusing on one kind at a time, you can highlight those differences. And so it's sort of fun to do a little side-by-side taste testing. And I I love doing, you know, um, I've done some tasting at wineries and I just love letting people just taste them all side-by-side. But yeah, so I have um, Madagascar, which is a very fruity kind of zippy, uh, chocolate has some citrus notes and raspberry um, just coming out of the melanger tastes like raspberry jam. Um, Ecuador, that one I mentioned is just smooth and chocolatey um, 
just like chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> and um, then Peru uh, has a little bit of cherries. And lately I've been getting some banana out of it. Um, and I've been trying to get those banana notes, but um, that one's yummy. That one I feel is a really good balance of the fruit and the chocolate. That's one of my favorites. And then um, Dominican Republic, a lot of people like, it's really dark and a little bit of bittersweet notes come deep red fruits like plums or um, maybe currants and, um, and molasses. It's kind of just deep and sultry. And um, it, it's one that it kind of changes uh, in your mouth. Well, I guess they all do a little bit. Um, but yeah, so those are the, the single origin. And I'm just um, adding Nicaragua. That's, you know, full circle where my journey started, but it took me a long time to find some beans from Nicaragua that I liked. And those are um, really yummy, just chocolatey, but with some um, woody and cinnamon notes. So really interesting. So those are all the dark and those are all vegan. They're just cocoa beans, cocoa butter and, and sugar. And you call them 70% because it's 70% chocolate, 30% other stuff, which for me is just sugar. So the 70% is um, the cocoa mass. So the, the cocoa beans and the cocoa butter. And um, so most bean to bar makers are just doing cocoa butter, sugar, cocoa beans. Some don't even do extra cocoa butter. Um, very few, I think, are adding things like soy, lecithin. Um, but, you know, if you get kind of industrial chocolate, there's soy, lecithin and all sorts of other things in there. Yeah, um, emulsifiers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my question about, um, you know, as a shopper, if you if we can educate our people that are shopping <laughs> for chocolate, what are things we should be looking for? Like, yeah. is are we looking for percentages? Or are we looking for single origin? What should we know before we buy chocolate? Well, you know, I'd say it's it's what you like. Um, but if you're concerned about chocolate, you know, that well, if you want really good chocolate that's kind of true to its roots um, and, you know, it's fair to the farmers and good environmental practice, I would say, you know, being the bar craft chocolate makers are, are caring about those things. And when you look at the ingredients on the back, if you see chocolate as the first ingredient, that means somebody else made the chocolate. Somebody else did the cocoa beans, the cocoa butter, the sugar to make the chocolate. Mm. And um, and so you don't know as much about that chocolate, how good it was, where it came from and so on. So you want to see the first ingredients, cocoa beans. Um, and, you know, then it's probably. Um, yeah, sugar, cocoa butter. So um, that would tell you. um that it's it's bean to bar if you see cocoa beans on there first. And when you get cocoa beans, like when you um, purchase them, do they come yeah. in in the pod and you're actually roasting them <laughs> out of the pod, or do you get the beans like you would a coffee bean? That's a great question. Yeah. So um, at origin, so um, so where the beans are from, which. They, they grow 20 degrees north and south of the equator. Um, and um, so at origin, they are in these football-shaped pods that grow straight out of the trunk of the tree, cut them open, and yeah, you cut the pod open. And these beans are surrounded by this white stuff that I think is called baba. And you can eat that, and it's sweet. sweet kind of tastes like mango or lychee or something. Mm -hmm. But... At Origin, um, they split those open. They dump them into wooden boxes. I think they might be lined with banana leaves sometimes. And they ferment for maybe like a week. And that's a really important process. Yeah, um, we don't want it to get moldy. Exactly. Mold is bad. <laughs> and yeah, um, mold is so bad. That, that's super important. And then that maybe takes a week or so and they're turning the beans and measuring the temperature. You really want people who know what they're doing to do it. And then they're dried 
and that's at origin and then they get shipped to the makers. That makes sense. Yeah. And so by <laughs> the time somebody like me gets them, they're dried. Um, okay. And they're... How do you ship it on DHL or FedEx or what? Well, so I'm so small that I'm not getting a metric ton at a time, like some of these makers. So I really am not. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yes. (laughs) So um, I, there's a couple really great companies that do good work. One's right here in Portland, Meridian Cacao, that goes to the farms and meets the farmers and see their, sees their practices and, um, and then ships to their warehouses. And mm-hmm. I buy most of my beans from them. I buy um, the ones I use uh, for the goat milk bar come from Colombia, and I use mm-hmm. a company called Uncommon Cacao. Mm-hmm. And then my Nicaragua beans are coming straight from Nicaragua. Um, but yeah, so that's how, um, that's how I'm getting them. And so uh, I, if it's Portland, I just drive up. You know, I just drive up and and get my, you know, 100, 200 kilos of cocoa beans. And um, they're usually in grain pro bags, which is great. Very cool. Um, Do you think that you have a um, bar that represents your business best? Hmm. Uh, You know, I'm going to say maybe the goat milk that might represent my journey. Um, It's funny how there's so much personal stuff that can get wrapped up in what you're producing. But um, that one was, I had been, was just exploring, I think it was summer of 2020. So we're all at home. And um, I was exploring with my dark chocolate, my single origins, probably like Peru and Dominican and Madagascar, I think were the three. And I really, I like dark chocolate. And I thought, well, you know, I don't want to be too snobby. Some people really prefer milk. And so I don't want to force people to have dark. So I should make a milk chocolate, but I wanted something a little different. And then I got these beans that were from Colombia, Sierra Nevada in Colombia. And they had some, they were just delicate and they had some nice apricot notes. Mm. And that made me think of goat milk, that that might be an interesting combination. Yeah, goat milk has fruity flavors too. Yeah. And so and it's fresh. Yeah. So, um, so I experimented, you know, and I tried the, the goat milk and I thought this is either something, you know, people will love and like adventurous people will want to try it because it's different. Or people will hate it because it's weird and they don't like goat. I wonder what it would be like if you put Chev in there, some fermented goat, some like fresh goat cheese. I don't know. I don't know. But you know, it has to be powdered. You can't put wet stuff in chocolate because it will seize Mm. up. You could dehydrate it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be having to consult with you on that. But <laughs> so I'm going to say that might represent my Moku chocolate journey because it was sort of taking a chance and maybe trusting my gut mm-hmm. a little and trying something that I knew maybe everyone wouldn't love. And then it turned out, you know, being it's the best seller and, um, and I just love it. And um, I'm not even a huge goat cheese fan, but um, yeah, I think it represents this journey, which has been for me about many things, but about having confidence in myself and taking some chances and not having everything figured out before I start. Mm -hmm. I wonder Um, if we can get powdered camel milk. (laughs) <laughs> and then you can make camel milk right? chocolate and sell it in Dubai at some big fancy old place. Yes. I actually, somebody was telling me about camel milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's maybe I'll start specializing in, in weird milk chocolate. Milk chocolate. That's a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> um, we, li- we like to talk about packaging on this show your packaging is beautiful yeah your packaging is so nice um can you talk watercolors yeah can you talk Mm -hmm. about those those 
paintings and how you came to have it be your packaging? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love that packaging too. And um, in the summer of 2020, I took a class through PCC and Sarah, I'm sure you know about this class because I think it was started by the um, Innovation Center, but called Getting Your um, Recipe recipe to Market. market. Mm -hmm. And um, because of the pandemic, it was offered online for the first time, which was great for me. I had signed up for it pre-pandemic and was going to commute once a week to Portland. Um, But it's this wonderful class that goes through everything. And I didn't have any kind of a food background and just everything you need to know about food safety and um, how to sell in stores and packaging and branding and business law, accounting, everything. And we had guest speakers come in and um, we had somebody come in who like specialized in branding and packaging for food products. Um, Renee with Paper Moon Creatives in Portland. And um, that was one thing that I invested in was signing up with her. And part of, she has this really thorough process and part of it was this questionnaire. And, and then we had like an hour Zoom interview and, you know, was asking me my whole story, you know, the Nicaragua part. And I hadn't really been telling that story before. So part of this process was learning to tell that story and learning that it was valuable. It felt really personal to me, but learning to tell it. But anyhow, um, and, you know, my favorite colors, just kind of art I liked and what I was trying to convey, who the customers were I wanted to attract. And then she came with these, you know, sample um, designs. Mm. And one of them was actually, she didn't show me this one right away. She showed me two and I'm like, yeah, maybe. And she's like, well, there's this other one. And then <laughs> that is it. That is it. So it just, what I, one of the things I wanted to convey is I wanted people to have that connection back to the land that chocolate comes from. And I didn't want it to be me. I didn't want my name on it. I didn't want the company name to be big. I wanted something that was evocative of the lands that it came from. And um, I just really loved this design. Um, And then she like added in a boat. And I just love that. um, Because in in some places, that's how they get their beans to where they need to go is in canoes. And um, And it just really resonated with me. And then we just, it allowed us to just have one design and we just tweak the color on it. And, um, and so it's just a lot of fun. Sometimes like Dominican Republic, that's the one that tastes kind of plummy to me. So we made that one purple purple. and um, goat milk is gold. And so sometimes there's, um, you know, some kind of connection between the color in it, but um, yeah, I just, I really love, love that packaging and, um, and people really respond to it too. Yeah. yeah I think you did a great job and it, it brings up, um, a lot of good points for if we have some, um, you know, new makers listening and that's, uh, um, you know, the design aspect of it is very important and hiring the right people to help you if that's not yeah. your skill set is really important. Yeah. Um, it sounds like, I don't know Renee from uh, Paper Moon, but it seems like she would maybe be a good person to have as a guest on the show if she works so yeah. well with small makers. So, that's a good idea. Um, you know, it sounds like she was a really great person to have on your side. Yeah, for sure. And I still work with her. And um, just her process was interesting because, um, well, one of the things she does through the interview is she kind of wrote my brand story. Mm-hmm. And um, so something that was kind of like really nebulous to me, really out there. It was my experience going to Nicaragua. I didn't really know how to talk about it and certainly how to get it on a website or on a package. Mm So uh, she really helped me clarify the story. That's your copy, right? Your copywriting. That's Mm -hmm. right. Well, I was noticing on your bars too, the writing that describes um, the chocolate on the back is, is really well crafted. Did she help you with that too? Or is that something that you did? Uh, let's see. So I have a second iteration. So the first iteration, it was just like the tasting notes Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, fig banana cherries, and then something about where it comes from the 
farm. And I wrote those. And um, then the second iteration has my name on it. Is that what you've seen where it talks about what I taste? And that was that was an evolution for me. So I had um, seen this focus study that said people, consumers like to see who makes it. So yeah, they, like, they like, you know, the chocolate, you. if there's a name on it. And I was kind of wanting, you know, just be behind the scenes. But <laughs> that did make sense to me. And through just, you know, doing it for a year or so, I noticed people really wanted to know my story. And so I thought, okay, yeah, we'll have Maureen Nakaido chocolate maker on there somewhere. But it didn't make sense just to have it there. It made more sense if it was me saying something and then like my little signature under it. So we changed all the descriptions. So it's me saying like, this one reminds me of, you know, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and then my name. So um, that was the second, I think that was January, this January that we switched that over. And um, yeah, that was a process for me to kind of get comfortable with the idea of, you know, having my name on it. And then, um, uh, but yeah, but so I, I wrote those just kind of, you know, what I taste and she definitely had some input. So it's been just a really, really helpful in the beginning. I just, I didn't want to spend money on anything cause I didn't, you know, machines or anything. Cause I didn't know how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know if I could do it. And so what I, was and, the trigger point that made you say, okay, <laughs> I'm going to invest. Uh-huh. What was the trigger point? Uh, you know, I think it was her presentation and her, you know, I could just see the value in that. I was really stymied by packaging for one. Like I didn't know who prints your wrapper and, um, you know, her handling that process, but the whole process of learning to tell my story, I could see the value of that. Um, And I just thought, you know, she's smart, she's talented. This is something worth investing in. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm kind of going to set aside a little chunk of money then in the beginning, and this will be part of it. And before I hadn't really done that, I hadn't really said, I'm going to let myself spend this, this money. So I think. You have to spend money to make money. Yeah. 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 And I, I think it's good to like pick one thing though, that, um, that you know is important. So for you, you saw this presentation and you knew that that was going to be the thing. And so you put some money away to do it because it is hard to spend money on everything. You know, like at first you just need to have like the stuff to make what you're going to make and that's it. And that's all you have enough money for. And then it's like, you can, you can build other things in as you go. And, um, and I think that that was a really good choice for you to, to do this because then you have those legs to stand on. You have your story to tell, you have this beautiful package and then, um, you know, whatever the next thing will be, I think that you made a really good choice for you and your business. I think everybody has to make a different. Yeah. Some people believe, some people believe that it's, hypercritical to have your package done really nicely to start from, you know, to look like you belong somewhere, maybe that you've never been before. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've heard it said, you know, that um, chocolate, you can't open it up in the store, smell it, taste it. So you're kind of, you're selling it by how it looks, how the package looks really. So it is important. You're trying to tell a story. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that yours does a good job of showing and describing um, without people trying it. Because I think you have to. I think we're all great at explaining to people when we're standing right in front of them. You know, you I, I wasn't good at it at first. I was terrible at it at the very <laughs> beginning, but I got better at it. And now I can do it. But I think that I also have to have ways um, for it to stand on its own. And I think your your product really does that. You did a great job with that. That's Thank beautiful. You. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask how uh, your community can support you right now. What do you um, need from all of us right now? Um, Gosh. Uh, I think um, the best thing people can do is just buy really good chocolate. I mean, it's awesome if it's mine, but just, you know, find chocolate that you really that you really like, you know, and pay a little bit more for it because it, um, you know, benefits these farmers and then they, 
get, you know, the craft chocolate makers, they're paying above market price for this chocolate. And then there's incentive for the farmers to grow really good chocolate. So, or really good cacao. Um, so it's, I, I would say, yeah, just find what you love, find the chocolate that you love and, and, and buy that chocolate. Um, yeah, that, that's, you know, of course, check mine out, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I want to buy the eight pack with all the different variety in it and try it out. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say your gift box is beautiful that you, people can add a gift box on your website. They can mm. put in whatever bars they want. Um, yeah. and that, that's a really nice, gift box. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that um, is very important for makers to have is some kind of thing that can be gifted. Because when you just said to buy good chocolate, I was thinking a lot of people won't buy good chocolate for themselves, but they'll buy it as a gift. Yes. You know, for someone else. And so, and it's, so it's great that you have that um, as an option to do a, a gift box for someone. Yeah, I think um, that was actually, Sarah, part of my decision to do the, to hire um, Renee with Paper Moon is that I wanted to make chocolate that people would want to gift to others. So um, I knew I wanted something pretty that people would feel good about gifting. We should send the gift to Oprah magazine for review. (laughs) Yeah, for the um Do you have you a know, PR firm? Since you won this award, maybe maybe oh Sarah goodness. Marshall can be your PR person. She'll get it over there to Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to get things to Oprah, but I do know some PR people that maybe do. So <laughs> I'll try oh, to figure wow. it out. Since yeah, you won the award. I mean, you've won two awards. You should try yeah. and because that could really change your business, getting into hmm. her holiday gift buying guide. One yeah. of my, one of my, that'd other be amazing. Clients, yeah. One of my clients was in there um, this year for her hot sauce. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I thought about, I thought about that, you know, like who would I want to, um, I've heard you ask the question, like who would be your sponsor or yeah, who, who would, would want to represent? And I'm like, yeah. well, Oprah is the obvious one, <laughs> you know, but then I thought, oh my God gosh, I don't know if I could keep up with, you know, the demand if, oh, if, you know, it's on Oprah's list, but um, that's, that's definitely a challenge is, is scaling up and um, figuring all, all that out. That's a process. Sarah Marshall will help you. Awesome. You what to do. Yeah. She builds pallets in her driveway. Come on. Oh that's my gosh. true. That's yeah. true. I'm figure it out. <laughs> I'm a good problem solver. I think that's what made me a good business owner is that I've just, even in any any job I've ever had or any um, thing I've ever tried to tackle, I'm just good at solving problems. So, mm. so if you ever have one, just send me a message. I'll see if I can help you solve it. <laughs> me too. I'm a problem solver too. Yeah. Oh, well, that is great. Yeah, that that's good to know because it, it, is, it is challenging, you know, to... Um, to know when you need to like buy the bigger machine. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and when you need to find more wholesalers and mm-hmm. just uh, how to time it. So they both, so you don't have a lot of chocolate sitting around. And um, yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm rushing. I had a, you know, a couple of times that I've had a big order, like the meadow over the holiday, they opened a store in New York and then another Portland store. And then, um, I think I was in one or two at the time, but then they ordered for all, all four. And um, so, and I had just tiny melangers at the time. And um, so it was just 24 seven and then um, Rogue Creamery. Uh, I met them at the Good Foods Mercantile and they were looking for a chocolate to pair with their cheese. Oh yeah. And um, so they just ordered um, like six, 60 cases of one kind and, um, I certainly have 60 cases, but of just one kind, <laughs> I didn't. So it's just, oh, you know, oftentimes. So yeah, I would love to pick your brains about this because yeah. see, they're like, I'm they relaxed or I'm powder, going crazy. You know. uh-huh. yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say, it would be really <laughs> cool if you thought about joining the Specialty Food Association and then entering your bars for the chocolate awards and the Sophie Award. 
Um, I don't know about either of those things. So well, the Sophie Award is the award that's given out annually for each of the categories in the Specialty Food Association. Hmm. And um, we could always have you in the booth at the Incubator Village. Maybe you could do the fit. There's a show in January in Las Vegas. Hmm. So you could join us there. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, ladies, it's the time where I have to wrap it up. So wrap um, up. Maureen, can you tell people where they should go to get your chocolate from you directly? Yeah, they can go to mokuchocolate.com. And I ship everywhere. Um, and I'm also in Market of Choice, the co-op down here, the meadow, but online has all my all my bars. Perfect. It's wonderful. We will send people your way and thank you for joining us today. It was yes, lovely thank to you. meet you and chat with you. Thanks so much. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can DM us on our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall. And we will be gone next week, but we'll be back the week after that. Thanks for joining, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.